Hello, welcome to the Radiate Podcast. We're here to connect, encourage, and empower you to radiate the message of Jesus to yourself, your neighbors, and the world. I'm your host, Steve Presswood. Today I'm on the phone with my Radiate Podcast guest, Will Hargis. Will, welcome to the program. Thanks, Steve. It's a real pleasure. Will is an OSU alumni and a native of Oklahoma. Shortly after graduation, he married Ellen Jesperson, and they now reside in Alabama, where Ellen is finishing up a doctoral degree in engineering. Though from what I hear, you all may be returning to Oklahoma soon. Will, tell us some more about you and your family and your plans in the near future. You're right. We we met each other in uh, in Oklahoma, and I'm from there. Ellen's also from Oklahoma, and attended Oklahoma State, and actually right before I graduated, I was a little bit of a slow graduator. I took a half of a victory lap. We got married, which was great fun. I don't know why people tell you to wait until after you graduate to get married, but that's just a, that's a sidetrack. We, we had a lot of fun. We were also broke, but that's just how it goes. Then both did our master's there at Oklahoma State. Ellen kept on uh, doing engineering. She got her bachelor's in engineering and did a master's. My bachelor's was in natural resource ecology and management with an option in forestry. Uh, my master's was the same natural resource ecology and management, except it uh, had a forest biometrics specialization. All those words basically mean is I know some stuff or some people think I know some stuff about trees, about ecosystems and statistics. I think probably the reason that they think I know something is that I listen to them lecture about it and they think they know something. <laughs> okay. But I do, I, I do know a couple of things, but yeah. anyway, it's, it's an awful mouthful for, I don't know how much you remember the, about what we did here, but um, you helped me get some trees going from seed. I've wanted, you know, a couple of different kinds of trees, but in particular, I wanted some oak trees planted along the side of my house where I've got uh, afternoon sun and I wanted to cool things off a bit. And I don't uh, know how much I've given you feedback since that happened, but I've got four nice, healthy trees right now, one of which is doing better than all the rest of them, probably because it gets fertilized a little more than the others. Yeah, you do know a few things about trees. That The, the oak trees were, were not that hard to start. I, I don't know if you still have any of those red buds. That was what I was most proud of. Yeah, the red buds actually didn't make much of a go. Yeah. I'm sorry to say, and I'm going to redo that one. So you gave me some good pointers, and I'm hoping I can get them going next time. Just getting them to sprout. That's the, the hard thing, those seed coats that they have. I learned a new term with you when we were talking about the red buds and getting them going, scarify. Yeah. That was what I thought happened in a, a haunted house, but probably not. <laughs> Yeah, that's a bad joke. I don't know if anybody out there really gets that one, but uh, anyway. So, Will, you're a forestry guy. I like trees a lot, uh, especially hardwoods. What is your favorite tree species and why? Oh, probably my favorite tree species is is a hardwood as well that uh, I've actually never seen one. It's an American chestnut. It's a really neat tree species if you've done any reading about it. There was a whole eastern forest group. Uh, the Forest Service has kind of these forest groupings that have specific names. And one was the Oak Hemlock Forest. It was in the 1700s. So when it started, there was a, a chestnut blight carried by a, a small insect. And uh, 
has basically functionally wiped out these tree species. They're pretty resilient, so there's still some around, but they're, they just don't function ecologically the way that they did. And they, they left this whole forest group sans one partner, basically. So now it's the oak hickory forest group. There's a lot of work right now going into breeding and then also just in genetic modification of, of American chestnuts in order to, to get them ecologically functioning the way that they were. But the reason I like the American chestnut, I'll keep this short, is because it's a very, very fast-growing tree. It's a very hard tree. It's a very strong tree. And it also produces a lot of nuts, uh, a mass crop of really sweet nuts, uh, unlike an oak. That, I mean, you can eat an oak, an acorn, but they're really bitter. So really, really neat tree. Is there any chance the chestnut's going to make a comeback? Uh, I would bet on it. And uh, like I said, I mastered in statistics. When I say that, I, I mean it. <laughs> You'd be willing to put money behind it. I would be willing to put money on it. All right, just for fun then, tell me something about trees that might be a little known fact to anybody who's unschooled in tree science. Well, I'll give you a, a double whammy here. Double whammy? Yeah, something about trees and the Bible. So, you know, forestry is really the first profession mentioned in the Bible. It said that God planted a, a garden and placed man in it uh, to take care of it. But really the only plants that it mentions being in the garden are trees. Therefore, I say Adam was a forester. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, you got me on this one. <laughs> That's a lot of fun to think of. Uh, yeah, he didn't talk about some of the other plants that he must have planted. Surely he put some squash in there, right? I, I don't know. I don't know. All it says is, is trees. So All I, it says is trees. <laughs> uh, kind of a side thing, uh, not just in the Bible, but all over the place now we're starting to see that, that forests have been managed and influenced by man. So so this kind of idea that, that forests are primal and, and untampered with is, is kind of a joke, even scientifically speaking now. So I, I think we really have a responsibility to take care of them, uh, at least until, until God burns the world up. Yeah. Well, you got involved in the Navigator Ministry at Oklahoma State when you were there. What first brought you to that group, and then what kept you there? When I first came to Oklahoma State, I had reached um, kind of what I hope will be my rock bottom in life uh, and had turned around and started moving back towards the Lord, realizing that he wanted my whole heart, knew that there was more to the Christian walk than I had seen, though I had seen some really good examples growing up. Maybe the examples weren't quite as good as I thought, or maybe I was blind, probably some of both. And I met, really the first Sunday I was in Stillwater, came across Ryan Nicholas, who was starting a discipleship group. And so that relationship is what originally led me into the Navigators. And it's really probably what kept me there for a good long time until I found some other folks who really were devoted to the Lord and wanted to follow him well. That's kind of how I got involved. Hmm. I know that I end up figuring into this next question, and I'm really not trying to uh, bait you for stuff that uh, in any way exalts me. Who were your mentors during your time at college, and what were their key contributions to your spiritual development and to your spiritual thinking and understanding? So when I think about my spiritual mentors and talk about them, I would be remiss if I didn't mention my dad, who really set a great example of reading the Bible regularly. And that was something that 
I picked up from an early age and that has stuck with me. When I was growing up, he, he was always devoted to, to read God's Word. And quite often, I'd find him asleep on the bed with the Bible as I went in there to say goodnight you know, before I went off to bed. That was something that stuck with me. Really, the second, and there were, of course, other influences along the way, but really the, the second really huge influence was Ryan Nicholas. And he took a lot of really good classroom instruction that I had gotten growing up and made it practical, cast the vision of disciple-making, not just as classes that churches put into practice, you know, once a quarter for people who are probably just more humble than everybody else, but what it meant to follow Jesus with your life, be devoted to him. And then being able to get the vision, not just of doing evangelism, but of coming alongside people to help them grow. So being a part of what God's doing in people's lives. Not just personal discipleship, but helping others be discipled. And then you're you're right. You you were also a mentor in college. And especially as I've gotten into the professional world, some of the things that you shared with me have been immensely helpful. Now I'm not tooting your horn. This is this is real. Some of your stories of, of commitment to to truth, to integrity, have really helped as I as I battled some pretty real things in some of the jobs that I've had, struggling with different folks over over integrity and or rather their lack of integrity. You had some great examples. Um, and then just, just some of the bits and pieces of, of seeing kind of the next stage. By the next stage, I mean 20s and 30s uh, through the stories that you shared. And there was a lot of not just discipleship in, in the Christian sense, but, but really mentorship, bits and pieces that I was able to pick out of your life and carry with me that have helped a lot. I'm, I'm kind of speaking in generalities because I don't have time to tell all the stories, and, and they're your stories anyway. Uh, but they've, they've really contributed to, to my stories being better, I think, more God-honoring. I'd say the third person that I was really blessed, lucky to get time with during college was Steve Moore. One of the neat things that I got to see out of Steve Moore was being a thinker. You know, he has his PhD. He, he is a man of science, has contributed in that arena, but also he is devoted to the Lord. He's committed to doing what the Word of God says. He's committed to coming for the Lord. And asking God for help, that's really beneficial, especially with the path that, that Ellen and I have taken, being involved in university research and, and academia, just to know that there are people like him and, and they are smart. Yeah, and even smart guys can follow Christ. That's and right. It's not a compromise of intellectual prowess and of rational thinking to follow Christ. Quite the contrary. Yeah. yeah. Now that you've left college, what part of your walk with Christ has been most challenging for you? For sure, the lack of community. Kind of did the, the usual thing, trying to get involved with the church and, and, and did not find a lot of community that I think a lot of, I'll put it this way, a lot of pastors like to use Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 to tell their congregants that they must gather, but they forget the meaning of why we're supposed to gather. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. 
but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, and there's not necessarily a lot of uh, spurring one another on towards love and good deeds, not necessarily a lot of uh, encouraging one another, a lot of just gathering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I don't say that as a blanket statement. No. We saw a lot of that, but on the converse, or on the flip side, it's it's been kind of a forming piece of our mission, what we see as our mission in life, not to run away from that problem, not say, ah, you know, to heck with the church. That's not what we've done at all. We run into it and say, okay, well, what can we do to be a part of making the church what God has intended it to be? Well, I would say from a third-person perspective that your vision for making disciples as a layman is strong. Is there anything about making disciples in the post-college world that has been frustrating to you? Mm. And if so, I'm going to just sort of give you the second part of that question. If so, what have you done to mitigate that frustration? I think life gets to people. They get busy. They get to thinking that, their stuff is real important, and, and it is. I mean, all of our lives are important, but they really pale in comparison to what God has for us. And I think a lot of times we miss that, the beauty and mystery of the gospel, what God's called us to be a part of. It's, it's immense. It's beyond comprehension. And yet we get shown it a little bit more every day. What do you do when people don't get the vision of the Word of God Jesus in his life and death and resurrection. I don't know. I've probably done the same thing about this that I've done a lot of things. When I get down, I just try to pray more, praise more, and praise God more. God has a way of, of working stuff out. So it's good to rejoice in him and, and talk to him about it. What is your frustration about making disciples in the post-college world uh, I, I didn't pick up on what that what might have been. People don't care to sell out to Jesus. I guess they, that means they don't want to be disciples. Uh, but there's a lot of people even involved in churches who may not really be interested in, in really being disciples. I, I think they would if well, – some of them would. Some of them wouldn't probably. But I guess people and, and their lack of devotion to Christ, that's what I was trying to say. And so then what have I done to mitigate that? It's really turning to the Lord. What advice would you give students who are still in college that would help prepare them for what's coming after college? Hmm. One thing you have to say is, is it's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. You're going to get busier. But it's also going to be more fun. But probably the, the biggest thing is it's is we make plans and we – there was a smart guy who said this before I did. And I don't have it memorized in Proverbs where Solomon said it, but we make, we make our plans, but, but the Lord determines our steps in a lot of, in a lot of cases. And he, he's also made good plans for us. So as opposed to spending so much time worrying about where you get a job or where you're going to live – I probably I was thinking about this is you sent out the list of things that we talked about. I think what I would tell I think what I would tell a, a graduating student is spend more time determining what next step is gonna take them 
where the Spirit of God is leading them? Where is it going to make the most sense for the kingdom? And let the other details work themselves out or, or work the other details out after you've made that decision because anything can fall apart. I had a good job at the university, run out of funding right before the coronavirus pandemic and by choice went to go work at in a fast food restaurant to learn how they built culture, Chick-fil-A, and had a job all the way through the pandemic. And that just doesn't make sense apart from what God has planned out and made possible. Yeah. That's, I, I just tell that story as a, as a poignant example. When you do things for the glory of God and, and what you think is going to be best for, for his kingdom, he really does take care of the rest. He says he will in Matthew 6, 33 and 34, but sometimes we don't believe him. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of ways to say the very thing that you've said. I think uh, one of the ways I think about it, just to make sure that a person has a simplified way of thinking about this in their mind, you got to keep the main thing the main thing. Many a man has said that, but what's the main thing? The main thing is uh, Jesus and his kingdom. And he said it, put this stuff first and all the rest will be added. And it's when we get our focus on this other stuff, like you were talking about, career, where's my first job going to be, uh, all that detail is just not the main thing, really, is it? No, it's not. Well, what are the main hindrances that you see that keep people from being fruitful for the kingdom? Mm, I alluded to this some earlier, but I, it's either lack of devotion, lack of devotion to Christ, or what I've seen most, and there are people I know that you've seen that, that didn't struggle with this as much, but what I've seen most is lack of community. And it's not just that we need a bunch of people around us doing what we're doing to make us feel good, but the Christian life is hard, and it's a little crazy, and certainly what Jesus has called us to is absolutely insane. But the first thing, when Jesus called people, is something I didn't see in the Gospels for a long time, but when Jesus called people, First, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And he gave them the Great Commission at the end. But in the meantime, he called them directly into a group. He basically created a family. Somebody else would say a team, but it was basically a family. And they spent all their time together. They ate together. They walked together. And they were all trying to be like Jesus, but they were all doing it together. And I think that that's a key part of the disciple-making process is being the church. Anyway... When we don't have that around us, I don't know why we would expect to do any better than, than Jesus if he didn't have all that around him. He, if he created it, we, we should do it too. If it was important for him, it should be important for us. So I think the real church being around people, the real body of Christ, that, that's a great big hindrance. This is what I alluded to earlier, but it's, it's been what we've decided to really try to figure out in this stage of life is, is how do we be the church with, with folks? Not just help people to maturity in their relationship with the Lord, but maturity in their relationship with the Lord and together. Yeah. All right. This next question is a bit of a softball. It's not hard spiritual stuff. <laughs> what did you most enjoy about your college experience? Oh, the camaraderie. So I enjoyed being friends with some guys, Mark Davis and Sam Macklin and Michael Mason, and there were some others. So if, if there's somebody listening to this and they say, well, my name wasn't on the list, so I must not be important. Well, give me a call and see if I answer, because I probably still have your number in my phone, and I probably still want to talk to you. It is a special time college is for making relationships. And oh, it is. What fun to remember those. I think, too, though, it, it wasn't until college that I really began to get a taste for what real Christian relationships looked like. Because the, let's see, what I think I mentioned three guys there. One of them would have been my friend outside of 
our Christian walk and, and being a part of the Navigators together. And even so, our relationship probably wouldn't have lasted very long. The other two, we would have been speaking a different language to each other. But through Christ, we, you know, we had a common bond. We had a reason to love each other well, really look out for each other. And that is really the foundation of, of real friendships. So in that regard, what I enjoyed most about college has just grown richer and deeper with life as I've learned to try to live that out better with a lot of different people. There's still few and far between that you make those sort of connections with, but, hmm. but they are very good when you do make them. And I think it's even gotten better with time. So. Well, Will, it's been a lot of fun to talk to you today. I always enjoy our conversations. The last one we had, of course, was back in November when Cindy and I drove through and saw you and Ellen on our way home from the thing we were doing in Florida. And uh, I just really appreciate you joining me on the podcast today. And it's good to hear your thoughts and to spend time with you as always. Agreed. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to Radiate. You can continue to listen wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect to us online at osunavs.org and on Instagram at osunavs. See you next time. And until then, keep radiating the message of Jesus.